know <clears throat> those of you who know me, you know that um, <clears throat> building something is a daunting task when it comes to construction. I'm not the I'm not the construction guy. I went yesterday and and uh, I wouldn't even say that I supervised the building of the ramp. I was just kind of there as the public nuisance. Um, <clears throat> giving them the encouragement when they needed it <coughs> and uh, tell them that they needed to get over to my truck and eat before the tacos got cold. Um, but that was about it. But uh, I, I am excited about our new building. I, I'm excited that we have some direction on it and and some peace about uh, what we need. I, I know there will be some uh, things that change along the way, I guess, but uh, I you know, I, I just am so excited to, to see that we can expand and grow, and um, the sanctuary will be, uh, well, the sanctuary is going to be enormous, and so we're not going to probably at first fill it up with all the chairs. We'll uh, add a few more as we go, but we're going to have plenty of seating in the sanctuary. We will uh, uh, have a, um, we're, we're going to have another kitchen with another fellowship hall, which will be uh, smaller than this one, but we can then use this gym for uh, large areas uh, for different things. We'll have uh, we'll have it set up for basketball. We're going to have it set up for volleyball in here. We, as we grow, would love to just like we do our wrestling. I would love to have some type of a basketball program, a volleyball program, and uh, those things and. And you know that the dream has really been fulfilled when uh, uh, we get to see that baseball field um, built outside and where we can, you know, with with the sports, I think sports are a great thing. I think they need to be held in a little better perspective than what they are. And so if we as a church gets large enough, we can have our own baseball teams and have our own coaches and we can teach some godly character along with how to play the games and and use that. I'm I'm excited about the children's wing of of uh, this new building and and uh, all the rooms that we will have to be able to uh, reach those children with with the gospel. And I'm telling you that we we have that building. I just believe everything is going to expand and um, more and more opportunities to uh, share the gospel with others and and encourage them. And and uh, so. Even though it is a, a daunting task for me, God has brought many of you in here to help with this task and, and uh, use your abilities, and, and uh, I am thankful for that. And together we will see this done and uh, see God use it to, uh, for His honor and glory. That's all it's for, is for Him, for His honor and His glory, and to reach others with the gospel. And, and I just hope that all of you will be with us in that and... and uh, be a part of that and and uh, just uh, watch it come together. And when it's done, we can say this is what the Lord has built and uh, truly give him the honor and the glory for that. So I'm excited to see that and you pray with us on that and be asking God what you can do to help in, in different areas. And it's just going to be fun to watch God uh, put it all together and uh, appreciate that. So uh, Psalm 34, if you would, we're just going to look at a few of the verses here in Psalm 34, verses 13 through 19 today, and um, 
wrote this message this morning. I, I received that text this morning from Tom at 1 o'clock this morning. I didn't see it at the time. I uh, was asleep, and then I woke up at 3 and uh, seen that someone had texted, so I checked the, the text message at 3 o'clock this morning, and the uh, only thing that Tom had said was um, pray for my daughter-in-law. Uh, took her to the hospital, and we need a miracle. And so I texted him back at 3 and told him, I'm praying for you, Tom. And, and he sent one back, and what a, what a, I don't know, just the shock of he said, my, my daughter-in-law uh, has died. And uh, they took the baby. He's in, in NICU, but they don't think that he's going to live. And that was the text. And, uh, well, it was just kind of hard to go back to sleep. <clears throat> and so you, you think of that, and, and, you know, and you guys, many of you sitting here have gone through that kind of trauma, different things. You know, it might not be the same, but you've gone through some trauma, and, and you understand, and, and so I'm laying there and kind of trying to go back to sleep, finally got up and, and uh, read devotions and, and uh, came to the church early, and um, just God kept directing me to the Psalms this morning, and and I, I came to Psalm 34, and it's amazing to me. I, I uh, don't believe that I've preached through Psalm 34 before, so I went to my files and looked, didn't have anything, and so I just uh, was reading in, in Psalm 34, and verses 13 through 19 really jumped out at me to, today. And so I titled this message today, and it's not really the way you want to end the year. You know, you, as a pastor, you want to end it on a on an encouraging note, and, and let's uh, uh, step up and, you know, and think about the good things God has done and, and, the, and those things that, that we could grow from and, you know, and be, be more positive. It is a positive message, but it, it, it also is pretty somber. And, and so I just titled this today, Challenges. You know, I don't care what year it is, we're going to face challenges. And some of these challenges are devastating challenges. I think of Nathan, this young man who, if little JP does live, you have a 26-year-old young man who, and I'm not exactly sure on his age, but he's real close to that, and mid-20s, and all of a sudden he's going to have to figure out how to raise this little guy by himself. And he's a preemie, and so I don't even know how long he will be in the hospital. We understand that, too, and so he's going to have that struggle. He's going to have the struggle now of, trying to figure out the, the plans to bury his wife and, uh, you know, and then Tom and Don, Tom trying to pastor a church and uh, hurting is as bad as he's going to be hurting right now. And, and, and uh, you know, something to pray for, and I, don't, and I don't mean this for you to feel sorry for anybody. No, there's no pastor out there who wants you to do that. But who pastors the pastor? You know, and, and, and I think of, uh, uh, of those issues that Tom and Don are going to deal with right now and, you know, thinking about his own testimony and trying to keep it all together and, and uh, you know, while you're hurting and all of those things. And, and, and uh, he would not want us to feel sorry for him. We don't. We, we know that God has Tom and Don and Nathan and, and, and uh, his wife's family and, and all of that. But they're just our challenges. There are challenges that come. And when David wrote Psalm 34, if, if you recall, 
in David's life, and maybe some of you aren't too aware of, of David's life. I, he was kind of a hero to me. I, I loved King David. Loved to, I looked forward to the day of meeting him in heaven. I think he was a, a man's man, and I think he was a great leader. I think that he obviously had some uh, flaws of his own. He had a hot temper at times, and, and uh, he, he made some rash decisions, and many that he had to pay the consequences for in his life. But we, we, uh, I just love King David, but he did make some foolish mistakes and foolish decisions. And one of those is when he was running from Saul, and, and he was terrified that Saul was going to kill him. Now, the thing that, that we need to understand is that by the time that Saul had decided to kill David, God had already uh, had, had uh, uh, anointed David to be the next king. He had told David through Samuel that, David, you will be the next king. And so David should rest upon the promises that God had given him and knowing that he is completely safe in God's hands because God will do what he says he's going to do. But he had some weak moments in his faith, just like many of us do. And, and, and we would probably react the same way when, when you have someone like like the king himself, that uh, is saying, I want this man dead. And so David fled. And he fled into the Philistines, and, and of all places for David to go, he was one of the greatest enemies of the Philistines. He had already killed many of them, and they were a very ungodly nation, and they hated David, and they hated the, uh, the nation of Israel. But he runs into, into that nation, and and there he seeks asylum. And while he's there, the, the, the warlords of that time, the ones that were with the king, they were like, hey, we don't want anything to do with this guy. And they came to the king and they said, we need to kill him. You, you do not want him around you, king, and, 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 and you need to have him killed. And, and so they brought him in front of the king. And when David got in front of the king, he acted like he had lost his mind. And this is just exactly what he did, frothing at the mouth and, you know, jabbering and, and throwing himself down and acting like he was completely crazy. And the king said, get him out of here. We're not going to kill someone like this. Just get him out of here and get him out of our, get him out of our country. Well, it's after he did that, that David comes to his senses and he writes Psalm 34. And so he writes this after a moment of complete weakness, distrust of God, chaos in his life. And, and he writes this as he comes back, as you might say, he comes back to his senses. And so he understands that, and that's the, that's the thing that I love about David, is that he was very quick to respond and react to certain things and not always was his reactions what they should be and nobody condones that he wouldn't condone it either but he was also very quick to repent when it was pointed out that he had done something wrong and that's really what we see in this psalm and and it shows us here how the proper way ought to be to handle challenges whatever they are. I mean, when we think of doing things the right way and, 
And we can think in our own hearts and our own minds, oh, yeah, we are, you know, I'm, I'm reading my Bible every day and I'm praying like I should and going to church as I should and, and all things are good. And, and, hey, we can say that when things are all good. And we can think that we got it all together and all is, all is well and then all of a sudden you, you get a phone call and the doctor says, hey, you have cancer. Or you get a phone call and says, hey, your daughter-in-law has died. And your little grandson may die also. You, you may walk into work on Monday or Tuesday and they say, you know what? You no longer have a job. You're fired. I, I don't know. I, I mean, we can think that we have it all together or you can find out your daughter has MS. You know, I mean, these challenges come and, and they're real. And, and the first thing that we want to do is, is kind of lose it like David did and, and, and make a spectacle and but when David comes back to his senses, he said, he's shown us here, hey, you know what? There's a, there's a right way to respond to these things. And, and we need to keep our mind about us and our heart about us. And, and let's handle it in a way that is honoring to God. And so uh, here it is. You want to end the year? You want to start out the new year? Well, here's how we can handle the challenges that God may give us this year. Verse 13 and verse 14, we see six commands that God is given us. Then we're going to see in verses 15 and 16 a reminder that God is watching. And then in verses 17 through 19, we're going to be shown that God is not idle. He's not idle. He is busy, and He is doing something at all times. And so let's look at the six commands that He gives us in verse 13 and 14. Keep thy tongue from evil. Sometimes one of the very first things that we want to do in reacting to whatever it is that's going on in our lives is, 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 our, is our mouth starts running. And it starts overflowing with the, with the fear and the anxiety and the emotions and, and all of the chaos that's going around us. And sometimes we react the same way. And, and here he's telling us, you need to keep your tongue from evil. You need to guard your tongue. You need to uh, allow God to use what you say in a powerful way and let it be used in a way that is honoring and, and pleasing to him. And so whenever we get into these challenges, let us make sure that we listen to this and keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile and deceit and treachery and wickedness and evil and, 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 and spewing the anger that we have so often. Oh, let us be careful. And so these two commands he gives us to keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile and and then he also says, depart from evil. You know, so often we, we want to react and, and we want to blame all these, these chaos or the challenges and the trials and whatever it is. So often we want to blame these things on God. And can I tell you that there, there are trials and there are times where, where we are like Job and we are, we are living a way that is honoring and pleasing to God and and God still allows challenges to come in our lives. I understand that. But can I tell you that there's a lot of challenges that we face because they've been self-induced. And we're really just reaping the consequences of what we have done. And we want to blame God and we want to get mad at God. And, and so the first thing that, one of the first reactions so often that I've seen in 
in, in 35 years of, of ministry is that we want to get mad at God and so what we do is we just turn around and we start living in a, in a vile and a wicked way and, and it's almost in total rebellion of, of God and, and you're shaking your fist at God and, and, and in all of your anger and, and here in, 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 in the command that David is showing here and, and God is telling us you need to depart from evil, you need to turn aside and all of these are a command, don't go down that path, don't believe the lies of the devil, don't, don't think that God is only allowing bad things in your life. God does allow these challenges to come in your life, but in every one of them, He is wanting you to depart from evil, to learn to keep your, your, your lips shut and your tongue from flapping mean and evil things, and instead turn to Him and grow closer and get closer to Him through these trials. Depart from evil. You know what else is so hard is to do good when you're hurting. You're mad. You're emotional. You're at, you, you, you have questions that nobody can answer. You, you are lost. You're, I mean, you're, name it, you know. We, we go through these, these heart-wrenching challenges that we deal with in our lives and and you're asking why, and you're trying to, you're struggling with, with all of these things. And then here is God saying, hey, step up and go do good. Do, do what is good in God's eyes, not what the world says. Do the good that God says is good. Do the things that God says that is righteous and, and holy and, and will benefit others for eternity and do good. Not only that, but seek peace. I think that we have to, first of all, seek peace in our own heart during these challenges and understand that in God's sovereignty and all of His power, He still knows what's going on. And there just has to come a point in time in our lives where we can be at peace with what it is. And trust him. That's what he really wants us to do. When we finally come to the point in the challenge that we're dealing with where we can actually turn it over and say, God, it's yours. I, I can't do this. That, that's finding the peace that God wants you to finally have in your life. And so we seek peace. And can I tell you, and pursue it. Chase it eagerly. Don't give up on it. Maybe you don't have peace right now. Maybe all you do is just continue to ask yourself why. Why? Why? Can I tell you that not always will God answer that? And it's okay to ask why. But if God doesn't answer it, you have to come to a point where you can be at peace in knowing that it's God's will. And so we trust Him with that. You know, I told Gary Norris this morning about Tom, and Gary, Gary knew Tom and, and uh, <clears throat> had been by there at, at uh, different times, and, and, uh, uh, and Gary Norris is one that understands these things. Gary, Gary Norris has buried a great-grandson, a grandson, a daughter, a son-in-law, a, a brother, a sister-in-law, a mom and dad. 
And, and I told Gary about this, and, and he said, God's will be done. And then Proverbs 27, 1, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, <clears throat> these challenges, and, and I'm not, <clears throat> some, I'm, I'm sorry, some people are drama kings and drama queens, Okay? Everything is about you, and everything is a drama. And, and you know what? You find out that, I don't know, Edwards is sold out of eggnog really isn't something to be dramatic over. You know, there are, there are people who are, who are facing real trials in their lives. And yes, you may have, I don't know, you may wake up and, and I don't know, your your arm hurts or your shoulder hurts or you got a headache and I'm you know I'm sorry you got that but you know what there are people that are dealing with life threatening things and there are people that are really dealing with and, and so let's make sure that we compartmentalize things and and, and understand and and uh, let, let's make sure that uh, you, you know it really doesn't take you very long if you will stop looking at yourself and start looking at the lies of others you'll find out how good you really have it so often so here in, in all of these challenges, then you understand that, okay, I will keep my tongue and I'll keep my lips from speaking guile. I, I will depart from evil. I will uh, do the good things. I will seek peace and I will pursue after that and, and, and not be angry at everything and everybody around me, but will truly seek to be at peace. That's how we handle challenges. Those are the commands that God tells us. And if God commands that, then he will help you to do that. that. That's the part, too, that we have to learn to trust him, don't we? But then also know that God is always watching. Look at verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. And so now, how, how good is this that, that we can know that First of all, the eyes of the Lord are upon. You know, that, that word upon means to be looking towards you. When, when we're going through these challenges, God is right there and he's watching you. And, and he's watching to see how you're going to handle this. And, and he's cheering you on because if, if you are righteous, then you are justified. Justified means that you have been declared innocent in the eyes of God by having trusted in the saving work of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And so you call and trust upon Jesus to be your Savior, to cleanse you of your sins, forgive you of your sins, and, and, and then he adopts you into his family, and you are now a child of God. And at that very moment when you, by faith, have called on Jesus to be your Savior, you have been adopted into that family, and God says, you're mine and I'll never leave you. And you're, you're never going to get away from me. And I always got you. And, and I will be there for you no matter what comes. You know, and then the devil wants to try to get us to believe a lie that, that says that, oh, well, if you're going to trust Jesus, then uh, you, you're going to think that everything is smooth. And, and, and people fall into that. And then you find out after you trust Christ, that's when the challenges really start up because 
that's when Satan really gets after you because now he hates you even more than he did before. And, and he's going to try to destroy you and destroy your testimony and destroy your family, destroy your marriage, destroy your children, and kill every one of you uh, after he has destroyed all of your testimonies. That is what he's trying to do to you. And so we, 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 here we are dealing with this, and, and, and we need to understand that, that God is there, and, and in this terrible, cursed world that we live in, and it is a cursed world, okay? So don't go looking in this world and expect all things to be jolly and jello, and, and all is hunky-dory, and, and all will be fine. We live in a cursed world where you're going to deal with heaviness of sin and the curse of that sin, and, and all of the hard things that come with that. That's part of the curse. But God says, I'm there. I'm with you through this. And my face and my eyes are looking towards you. He's not got, he doesn't have his back to you. He's never going to turn away. And uh, if you have trusted Christ, he will never tell you to depart from me. He'll never say that. He'll never write you off. He'll always be your father. Because he's always watching. And his eyes are upon the righteous. And his ears are open unto their cry. And that cry is not a worshipful cry. It's a cry for help. You see, God knows our being. He knows everything about us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. He knows what bothers us. He knows what's going on in our hearts and our lives. And all you have to do is cry out for help. Oh, let us do that and let us be willing to do that. And sometimes that means that we have to humble ourselves and get rid of our pride that we have, thinking, hey, I got this. I can handle this on my own. I'm sorry, but the weight of this world will crush you one day. You think that? You, you, you can't do it on your own, and that's why we see so many suicides, people trying to do it on their own, and they just cannot do it. But his ears are open unto their cry. He always hears what it is that we're crying out for. The scary part is the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Isn't it interesting? The eyes of the Lord are towards those who are righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. But for those who are evil and do not want to trust Jesus and, and deny God, then his face is against them. You ever... When you were a kid, or maybe those of you who are still kids, you ever tick your parents off and you could tell by their nonverbal communication? They, they really don't have to say anything. I, I took a college class on, that's all it was, was nonverbal communication. It was the quietest class I've ever been in. You know, your nonverbals speak loudly. And God sets his face against those that do evil. I, I, I don't even want to imagine what that would look like. But you know what? They're going to see his wrath one day and the judgment that comes. But for the righteous, he's looking at us and he hears our cries, and, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. 
the memorial of them. They are soon forgotten. What about us? You know, when we go through these challenges, have you ever given thought as you are battling the challenge, whatever it is that you are going through or whatever that may come in your life, there are so many people watching that you have no idea. You know what? There may come a day when your life is over and you are in heaven and you'll run into someone in heaven and they'll say, hey, I just want you to know that I'm here today in heaven because of what I saw you go through and I could see that God was real and I trusted Christ as my Savior because of your testimony. That's a memorial. That's an eternal memorial. He says the evil, they'll be soon forgotten. And they move on. Another one takes their place. And so we need to understand that God is watching. The last thing is we need to understand is that God is not idle. The righteous cry. Boy, don't we. We cry out to God. And the Lord heareth. And that ETH ending in the King James is telling us that this, this is a perfect tense in the Hebrew, which is like a present tense in English, which means that it's ongoing. And it doesn't stop. He's constantly listening to the cries of the righteous. And delivereth them. That word delivereth means to snatch them away. Isn't that good? I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know, you're walking along and all of a sudden you realize the danger that you're in and you say, Lord, help. Just like that. He's got you. And he delivers you. Whatever it may be. Delivers them out of, what does it say? All their troubles. All of them. All of them. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. So many lonely people in our world, and it just doesn't have to be that way. The Lord is near unto them with a broken heart. Isn't it nice to know that even as the Jordan family are struggling today, even as the Camachos are trying to find God's will and direction in their lives right now, and the Hardings who are trying to find out what God wants and seeking their comfort and seeking uh, God's comfort in all of that, that we can, be re- we can rest assured that the Lord is close to them today. Boy, doesn't that help? Absolutely knowing that he is nigh unto us, that have a broken heart, and that broken has the idea of being completely shattered, and saveth. And so here again, this ETH ending goes on and on in that perfect tense, showing us something that he continues to do, and he delivers such as be of a contrite spirit. That word contrite in the Hebrew has a a word picture of being like dust. Crushed to the point of dust. That's what that contrite spirit means. You just get to the point where you're like, I'm done, God. I cannot fight anymore. I can't. I can't. 
I just cannot do any of this. And your spirit is crushed to dust. And it tells us here that that's when God delivers us. You know, we just have to get to the end of ourselves and understand that we trust in the sovereign power of God and we look to him and know that he is always there. And the last thing, not very encouraging really, many are the afflictions of the righteous. The afflictions would include those things that are evil, those things that bring about misery, distress, and even injury. I, I don't know if you saw in, in, in uh, I think it was, was it Nairobi? Or one of the African uh, nations over there, there were, uh, I think, over 100 Christians killed during Christmas. You see, God never said that living in this world would be easy. He said his burden will be light and his yoke will be easy. But this is going to be a hard place to live. And so we see these things that take place. And God says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Don't expect that to get any better. As the world continues to get more evil, the Christians are going to have to have a, a more solid character and a stronger faith and a, a sheer determination to do what God says to do. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivereth him, snatches him away out of them all. You know when that comes, it won't be here. But Paul, it'll be one day in heaven. Won't that be good? Won't it be good that whenever we get there that we can turn around and we can think and we can look back and you won't see any of it, but you can think, you know what, it really was worth it. It really was worth it all. Just give your heart to Jesus and live for him every day. And let's live for him and let's live for him well. And let us finish well doing what God has called us to do. Knowing and understanding. He's given us commands how we ought to be, uh, behave during the challenges. He's given us the promise that he's always watching and he shows us that he's never idle. And so let's take encouragement. And even when these challenges come, and they are devastating challenges, our faith never falters, and our obedience doesn't wane, and we find God to use us greatly for what truly matters that can change someone's life for eternity. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, the supernatural way that you just make the pages open up and it's just you sitting here with us using your perfect word to minister to the imperfect hearts in a cursed world. And I thank you. Thank you for the power of it. And so, Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will take your word today, stir in the hearts of each one who's here, 
whether they're dealing with a challenge or whether maybe one day they will, that they can remember Psalm 34 and remember how we ought to respond. And Lord, we just ask for your help to do that and to be honoring and pleasing to you. And I pray that you search our hearts. And Lord, if there's someone here today that has not trusted you as their Savior, I pray that today they would humble themselves, call out to you to save them. Just as simple as that. To save them from their sins and they trust in what you have done for them. Having died on that cross, was buried, you rose again and made that work complete. So let them call and trust upon you for their salvation. For those of us that have, help us to live in a way that, that truly is an example of being righteous in our behavior and our walk. Lord, stir in our hearts today. Use this, Father, in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.